You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem. So it's good to be back together after a hiatus. But getting back together reveals that it was just, you know, preparing to get back together. And um, the Shir and any Torah or Hisorus that, that we, we get tonight or anybody gets tonight should be Lerufu Shalema David Ben Esther Tova. David Ben Esther Tova, who's my, uh, my sweetest uncle in the world, who's in need of a, a need of a Rufu Shalema Bezras Hashem. So David Ben. Esther Tova. So everything should be a refuish lima for him, and any mitzvahs that anyone could have him in mind would be a gewalt. So 1806, 1806 was a year, was a big year for Rabbi Nachman, Tafkuf Samchavov. It was a big year for Rabbi Nachman in the sense that it was a year where he thought Mashiach was going to come. It was a year that he started telling stories. It was a year that Rabbi Nassan started publishing Likuti Maran. It was the year that Rabbi Nassim started writing Likuti Alachos. It was the year that the Rebbe's son, who the Rebbe famously had very, very deep hope in, um, was Nifter Lo'aleinu. It was a big year. It was a big year. And um, there was one thing that, that Rabbi Nachman did that year on the, on the fourth night of Elul in the year 1806. And he retold the story of trust. He retold the story called Maisa Maybe Tachon. A story from trust, not a story of trust, but a story that comes from trust. And um, and what's unique about, I mean, there's many, many things that are unique about this story. But one of the elements that is unique is that um, Rabbi Nachman said it again. He had said this previously. The first sentence of the story is, Anava Amar Rabbi Nachman answered and he said, Od And I also had told the story of Bitachon and this is what it is. And so it's unique. It's unique that uh, that Rabbi Nachman repeats himself. It's unique that Rabbi Nachman would repeat himself in a story. It's more unique that Rabbi Nachman would feel the need to repeat himself specifically on this year, 1806, in the fourth night of Elul. But suffice it to say that this story, like anything that Rabbi Nachman writes, is Kodesh HaKadashim, and if a person chooses to open their eyes to it and has the Siyat HaDashmaya to look into it, then you can find worlds and, and universes within each and every teaching of Rabbi Nachman. As Rabbi Nachman understood, he said, if only people understood, if only people understood my Torahs with their nigunim and their rikudim, if people understood my Torahs with their songs and with the dance that goes along with it, then they would lose their Bechira. They would lose their Bechira. Rabbi Nachman says this a lot. He says, I have Torahs that a person could lose their Bechira. I think Rabbi Nassan even implies it, right? So it's a Kayach of the Torah. But Mamish, to take the Bechira away from a person, to make a person so utterly saturated with Kedusha, that it's not impossible for them to think even any possible negative thought, no matter how hard they try. And uh, so Rabbeinu tells this story, Rabbeinu tells this story to be Ma'oyeras and Tshuva, to bring down whatever light this story is. So the Maisa goes as follows. 
And I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to read it inside, even though you could be medaktik, hidiktuk ha-halacha on every single word. Every single word deserves iyun and deserves comparison and deserves investigation. Every single word has to be weighed. Like any word of Torah, has to be weighed as if it were gold. But to give the narrative frame, because that's also the Pashtas, Rabbi Nachman said, no matter what story I tell, in the end of the day, they're good stories also. And so Rabbi Nachman says as follows, there was a tale of trust, and I told it as follows. There was a king. There was a king, an anonymous king. It doesn't matter where the king came from. It doesn't matter what he was in charge of. But, uh, but he awoke with a stirring in his heart, a murmuring in his heart that told him, to go out and search to see if there was anybody in his kingdom who worried less than he did. It wasn't whether they were happier than he did. He wanted to see if there was anybody who theoretically could worry less than he did. And so he goes out in the dark of night. And he doesn't go in front of the houses. He goes behind the houses, behind Acharayim, in a place that's lost. And he goes behind and he looks at the first house that he sees and he hears people complaining. Complaining about what they don't have. Despair over their lacks, their deficiencies. He says, okay, people clearly worry more than I do. Goes to the next house, and this next house is complaining about the fact that he has an Indian with the government, with the Malchus. And uh, so it's different than complaining about a personal lack, but the king said also, okay, good. And then the next house the king comes to is described by Rabbi Nachman as a house that is sunken into the mud with windows mamish very close to the mud, with a roof that is broken in. So a sunken house with windows in the mud and a roof that's broken in. And in it, what the king saw was a Jew, was a person who was sitting at his table, eating his bread and drinking whatever that was that he was drinking. And he was playing on a harp and he appeared to be truly happy. And the song that he was playing on his harp was so gentle, so delicate that the king had to bend his ear, had to attune his ear, had to get onto the floor and really listen. And so the king decides to walk in and investigate. He walks into the house and he, uh, and he sits down with this person in the house who is playing the harp. And the person in the house offers him something to eat and something to drink. And he makes a toast to the king, makes a toast to the world. And the king sees that this person is incredibly happy. This person is mamish without worry, nothing bothering this person. And so the king says, let me see how he goes to sleep. It's a different Indian in Avedah. Let me see how he goes to sleep. And the king goes to sleep there. And he sees that this person was truly happy without a worry in the world. The next morning, as the man is escorting the king, who doesn't appear to be the king, appears to be a, a random stranger. If the king asks him and he says, what do you do? How do you get this? How do you, how do you come to such a thing? The simcha and the suda. And what this man says, the man who was playing the harp says, is that I'm a fixer. I fix things. I fix broken things. I cannot make anything whole. I cannot make anything from scratch. But I can fix anything that is broken. And so each day I go about seeing what broken things need to be fixed. And in return, I make a little bit of money. I get about six coins or so, and I buy myself the suda, and then I go home at night, and then I go out the next day to fix broken things. I fix broken things. The king walks away from him, and he says in his heart, I am going to break this for him. I'm going to break this for him. 
And the next day, this this person, this Jew, this fixer of things, goes out to try and find things that need to be fixed so that he can make his day suda. And the people of the town say, didn't you hear? There was a decree that uh, nobody can give things over to anybody else to be fixed. You either have to fix it yourself or you have to buy it anew. And so this man was perturbed by this. You know, Hira Be'enav, this was not a pleasant experience for him. But he had trust in Hashem, he had trust. And he went and he tried to figure out another way to make money. And he came across an individual um, cutting down trees. And he walks over to this person and he says, why are you cutting down trees? The person who was cutting down trees says, because I didn't have anybody else to cut down trees for me. And the fixer who could no longer fix things because of the decree said, well, I, I'll fix, I'll cut down these trees if you pay me for it. And it was good in both of their eyes and he cut down trees and he bought his suda. And he sat and he ate and the Lashon of Rabbi Nachman as and the suda was mamish suda. In Yiddish it's obviously better, but the suda was mamish suda. Mamish suda. And the king came by to see what had become of this individual after he broke things for him. And he sees that he was as happy as the night before. So the king walks back in under disguise, one would assume. And he sits and he eats and he drinks with this person and he goes to sleep there to see exactly what is what. And the next morning when the when the host, when the fixer, when the cutter of trees, you know, walks this man out, the king asks him, how do you come upon this? How do you find such simcha? How do you find this? And the man said, well, I used to fix things. And then there was a decree that I couldn't fix things anymore. So I found a man who was cutting down trees and I decided to cut down trees. And I made enough money and I had a suda. So the king walks away and he makes a decree that nobody is allowed to cut down trees. You're not allowed to pay anybody to cut down your trees. So the next morning, this fixer, now tree cutter, goes out to find trees to cut. And the same thing happens. He's told, didn't you hear the decree? Didn't you hear that nobody can cut down trees anymore? So he was perturbed by this. He was bothered by this. It was unpleasant. But he had an element of trust. And he went and he looked further to see you know, what was what and what he could do. He encounters a man cleaning a stable out. He says to this man, is this respectful for you to be cleaning a stable out? And he said, not really, but I've got nobody else to ask to do it. He says, I'll do it as long as you pay me so I can buy my day's wages. He cleans the stable out and he makes his day's wages and he goes home and he makes the suda. And Rabbi Nachman says, and the suda is mamisha suda. Suda is mamisha suda. And the king comes back to see what has become of this fixer, to see what happens when he broke things for him. And he sees that he was besimcha without daiga bechlal. He had no worries in the world. He worried less than the king. And the king came back in to investigate and he ate and he drank and he saw the simcha and he went to sleep. And the next morning as he was escorted, he said, how do you come upon this? He says, ah, you wouldn't believe it. I used to cut down trees. I used to be a fixer, but they said I can't fix things anymore. Then I was cutting down trees and they said we couldn't down trees anymore. Then I was cleaning out stables and I made the money making stables. I have cleaning stables and the king goes home and he decrees that nobody is allowed to clean out stables anymore. The next day, this man, the fixer, comes to clean out stables and he's told, you know, lo and behold, you're not allowed to clean out stables anymore. At this point, it's not even bothersome to him. It doesn't say the hero of Enav anymore. 
doesn't even say he just he went on and he tried and he tried to find another way to make those funds this time he subscribes himself he prescribes himself as a soldier of the kingdom now, there were two types of soldiers there were soldiers who were drafted who did not have a choice and they were not paid and then there were self-appointed soldiers who were paid for their services and the man figured i would you know work a day as a soldier and I'll make a day's wages, and I'll be able to make my suda. So he goes to the register's office, and he makes it tonight. He makes a deal. He says, I'm going to become a soldier so long as you promise me that you're going to pay me my daily wages each and every day when I return. And the, the office says, yes, that's fine. So he goes with his sword, and he tucks his sword in, and he goes to do what a soldier does. He comes back and he gets paid and he buys a suda and the suda is mamish a suda, mamish a suda, the same darga, mamish a suda. And the king returns to see what has become of this fixer who things were broken for. And he sees that he was as happy as before. The king comes in and he eats and he drinks and he sleeps and he sees. And then the next morning when he's escorted, he says, from where do you come upon this? And the man says, oh, I was a fixer and then I couldn't be a fixer anymore. I used to fix broken things and then things broke. And I cut down trees and I couldn't do that anymore. And then I cleaned stables and I couldn't do that anymore. So I subscribed myself as a soldier for day wages. King runs home and he says to this minister, he says, you're no longer allowed to pay daily wages to soldiers. You can only pay them at the end of the week. So the soldier goes in and he does what he does. And he comes back to get his daily wages. And the minister says, nope, I don't want to. The fixer turned soldier says, but you promised. And, and the minister says, nope, the king said, you know, we can't pay daily wages anymore. And so at this point, the, the fixer doesn't know what he's going to do. And he thinks to himself, he says, since I'm a fixer and I could fix broken things, let me break the metal off my sword. Let me sell and pawn the metal of my sword. I'll place a piece of wood on top of it. With the money I make, I'll go buy the meal. And the next day when I get my daily wages or I'll get double wages, I'll go, I'll repawn, I'll buy back that blade of the sword and I'll put it back on. And he goes and he breaks off the metal of his sword and he puts a wooden sword and he sheaths it back into its sheath so nobody can see. And he buys his meal and the suda was mamish suda. Mamish suda. And the king comes back and he sees that the person is besimcha just as he was before without any worry. And the king comes in and he eats and he drinks and he sleeps. And as he's being escorted by the fixer turned soldier, he says, tell me, how did you come to this? And he tells him I was once a fixer and I couldn't be a fixer anymore. And I was once a person cutting trees and I couldn't do that anymore. And I was cleaning stables and I couldn't do that. And now I'm a soldier and, and truth be told, you know, this is a fake sword, but I'm going to buy it back the next day. And there's not going to be any pain. The king is not going to know any better. So the king runs home and he says, let's see what's going to happen here. And he calls all of his ministers together to come for a scene, for an event, for an event, for a, for a gathering, for a simcha, to ridicule this man who has a wooden sword. And the next day, the king comes to the minister who was paying this fixer. And he says, tell him that there's somebody who's chayv misa, there's someone who needs to die. Death is in the air. Who, what, why, where, it doesn't matter ever in Rabbi Nachman's stories. It's all of us. It's none of us. Somebody has to die on a spiritual level and, you know, on all the levels that it means something. 
And what I want you to do is I want you to call this person, this daily wage soldier, and I want you to come and tell him that specifically he is needed to execute this man. And the king gathers with all of his sarim, with all of his you know, ministers to see the laughter that ensues when a person who has a wooden sword is, is shown to have a wooden sword. That's what the king is thinking. He doesn't tell this to the chava. And so he goes and the king, and he comes before the king and the king says, you have to kill this person. And this fixer with his wooden sword within his sheath says, please, it can't be me. Choose somebody else. I've never killed a man before. And the king says, nope, it's got to be you. And the man says, are you certain that this man is deserving of death? Is there no doubt of the matter? Are you certain? Because I've never killed anyone and I certainly don't want to kill someone where there's doubt associated with it. And the king says, nope, it's written. It's written in the, in the book that we have, in the book, this, this book, this book of laws. It's written that uh, the, the person is Chayv Misa, there's no doubt, and it's got to be you. So at this point, the fixer sees that uh, he can't do anything with the king. He turns to Hashem and he says, Kel Shakai. And he says this out loud, Kel Shakai. I've never killed a man in my entire life. I don't want to kill a man. Please, Rabbeinu Shalaylam, if by any chance this man is innocent, by any chance this man is undeserving of death, please, Rabbeinu Shalaylam, create a miracle and turn my sword of steel into a sword of wood. And he unsheaths his sword and everybody sees that it's wood. And there's a great laughter that descends throughout the stadium. And the king saw that this was a wonderful man, that there was a man who was so wondrous, and he let him go in peace. This is the Maisa from Bitachon. And Hashem, you know, next week we'll, we'll begin to try and talk a little bit about this podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.